Oregon football adds more coaches to the staff. So who are they and what will their roles be? Plus, Oregon basketball, it is not looking good as they lay an egg on the road against a bad Arizona State team. All of that coming up today. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and a lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen every day. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. And remember, 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 you can get a question answered right here on the show. Tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or follow at Locked On Ducks. You can direct message either of those accounts to get your questions answered right here on the show. I love mailbag segments. Anytime you send them in, there is a really, 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 really good chance to get it answered. So keep the questions rolling into the show. Couple of staff changes to note for the Oregon Ducks. And then as I'm recording this, men's basketball is getting pounded by a an eight-win Arizona State team. Yeah, that's just going to be what we call a, a venting segment. This is, uh, this is a place where we're going to unite as Duck fans, and we're going to go on a journey of, you know, getting stuff off your chest and the frustrations of watching a bubble team lose to a 4-8 and eight team on the road. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to all of that. Last I checked, they were down by 20, and I don't need to see the end of the game to know how I feel about it, and I have many thoughts. But first, we stick with the gridiron right now, and there have been a couple more additions to the staff. First of all, <laughs> how do we keep adding coaches? <laughs> Does anyone else wonder that? I know you can't respond to me right now. You know how to on Twitter in a couple of ways, but it's just always funny to me. It seems like we are continuously adding coaches and building out the staff more and more, which I think is great. You know, more coaches on the staff means more people who can recruit, which is a big part of one of these hires, I think. But it's just kind of bizarre to me that every time we we look up and every time we get used to the most recent coaching hire, there's then another one. And we think, well, yeah, okay, now, now the staff is set. No, the staff is not set. And that means people like what Dan Lanning is trying to do here in Eugene for us as Duck fans, and that's a really good thing. So who are the guys? Uh, first one I actually just saw before I came on to record the show. Kind of nice timing there. Colin Lockett is on the staff. He is an offensive analyst and wide receiver coach, so he will be working with the offensive staff, led, of course, by offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham. Lockett himself comes from San Diego State, where he was a graduate assistant, which is also where he played college football. He went initially as, I think, a special teams or or DB guy, but then switched over to wide receiver, had a nice career, had a 750-yard receiving season as a senior, and then bounced around some NFL practice squads. And then he uh, he's only 30 years old, so he's a really, really young guy and comes onto the staff on the offensive side of the ball. And, and not surprising that Dan Lanning is willing to add a guy like that because he's a defensive coach and he's going to focus primarily, though not entirely, but primarily on that side. So he wants to have 
as strong of a staff as he can on the offensive end. Greg Jones is the other guy, and he's the more significant of these hires because he just has a little bit more of a background in coaching. His role is currently undefined, but who is Greg Jones? Great question, Duck fans. That's what I'm here to do, answer those sorts of questions right here on the show. He's expected to be involved with the recruiting efforts, which I will explain, but if you remember, Dan Lanning grew up in the North Kansas City area. He went to the Division II school, William Jewell College, and played there from 2004 to 2007. And Greg Jones has ties to that area as well. Before, he has since joined the Oregon staff, again, in an undefined role. We'll just kind of monitor that as the situation goes along. He was the head coach for Liberty North High School for the previous five seasons. Now, I myself, like many of you, am not intimately familiar with the inner workings of Missouri high school football. I'm barely in touch with my home state of Oregon's high school football scene nowadays. I follow the playoffs every year or so, and uh, if if my my hometown, Lake Oswego Lakers, are good, then you know that's always always fun to follow along from afar. But I had to do a little bit of digging, and dig I did. He led his team to the Class Six state title game this past season they lost that game so they took the runner-up position but he's just the second head coach in program history when he took over in 2017 and he amassed a 39 and 19 record before he was at liberty north high school he coached kearney high school also in the state of missouri and he had you know some success there Nine district titles, six conference titles, and two state championships. So this guy's won a few football games as a head high school football coach. I'll get to why Oregon made this hire, but football season might be over, but basketball is in full steam for pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So why make this hire? Why go to the high school level in Missouri to get a head coach who is going to have an undefined role currently as it stands. Why would Dan Lanning do that? It might seem a little out of the blue, but on the other side of the coin, as they say, why not make this hire? <laughs> That's not the actual reason. I just uh, just trying to keep you on your toes and such as listeners. That's kind of kind of what I'm doing here. But you know, I just I don't know how many more coaches we can hire, but I look forward to finding out. We'll talk about them here on the show. But from what I've come to understand about Greg Jones, who was a head coach in the Missouri high school football scene for a long time, very successfully, this is a recruiting play. The 2023 and 2024 recruiting classes coming out of the state of Missouri are expected to be as strong as that state has ever produced, ever. That's what I've read uh, about it. There are still four-star prospects in the class of 2023 that still haven't committed. Plus, 
because that's so far away, I mean, early signing window is middle of December, but second signing period, as we know, is early February, and guys can then sign later in in that spring as well. It's very possible that you can flip some commits because right now the overwhelming majority of those guys who have committed to schools that that range from Missouri to USC and Oklahoma – are, are, are possible. You, you can still flip those guys. It does indeed happen. Now, Oregon at this moment, according to 24-7 Sports, they are not in the mix currently in a serious way for any of the top guys in the state. That's where I think this is coming in for Dan Lanning and why this hire was made, because he is seeing that there's still a long way to go to build the class of 2023, from a recruiting standpoint. And remember what I've said about having a geographical reach that is not only strong within your own region, but goes all over the country. That's one thing that sort of changed with these high-level recruiting classes that Oregon has brought in in the last several years. They would go all over the country and be able to get guys. And Dan Lanning and this staff, led by a lot of really high-level recruiters, that's sort of the, the word on them right now. We'll see come the fall how they are schematically. But right now, you can look at them and say they know how to recruit. And that's what their DNA is. And sometimes, to get the best players on your roster, you have to go find them. And I think that that's what is happening here with Greg Jones is he clearly has his thumb Well on the, I don't know why that expression is what it is, but I decided to use it there, so we're rolling with it. He's got his thumb on the recruiting scene there, knows the high school kids, knows a lot of the coaches, and this is why you add Greg Jones to the staff. To be able to get into the state of Missouri, who have got some good-looking prospects for the class of 2023 and 24. So if you you saw this hire and thought, man, that seems kind of random and out of the blue and out of left field and a bunch of other metaphors that I'm trying to think of right now, I think that's that's definitely the play here. Less schematic, more recruiting, and it's all about relationships, right? And if you've been a high school coach in the area for a long time, you have a lot of relationships, and that is how you recruit. And also, thinking about the class of 2023, when we're here in February of 2022, when they just finished the class of 2022, and it's not technically done. There's still a couple guys out there who could who could come to the Ducks. Uh, you know, Arliss Boardingham decided to go to Florida, but he could have he could have come as well. I think guys can commit all the way through May, April ish. Don't quote me on that though. Um, but this class of 2022 that isn't really theirs. They just got done with it, and now they're already thinking ahead. And to me, it just reemphasizes how much you have to love coaching and love football to be good at recruiting. I mean, it is a grind. So when you hear that a guy is a really good recruiter, you know a couple of things. Number one, he loves football. But number two, he loves college football specifically. You know, a guy like Dan Mullen or, heck, even Chip Kelly, not known for being an elite recruiter, doesn't love recruiting or everything that goes along with it. If you are a big recruiter, that means you are all in on, on college football and the way that it goes down. And that, that's a good thing for Duck fans. So, Greg Jones, welcome to Eugene. All right, let's get to our venting session. And I'm just going to double-check that there haven't been any uh, historic comebacks here because, as I said, I started 
Started recording this before the Oregon men's basketball game against Arizona State even ended. And yeah, oh boy, 81-57 the final. That's not even close. This is the first time Oregon's been swept by Arizona State since 2011. It comes in a year when on February 17th, Arizona State came into today with eight wins on the year. They were 4-9 in conference play. Oregon was 10-4. They now fall to 10-5 and 17-9 and overall. They add another quad three loss to the resume. I really just got to get it all out with regards to the game. We can, in future episodes, go more in-depth on the ramifications. The bottom line is they're probably going to have to just win the Pac-12 tournament to get into the big dance, but the first half of this game. The word ug cannot be said or written or uttered enough times because it was just so Oregon. The offense wasn't there. They didn't score in the first three minutes of the first half. You hit the 17-minute mark of the first half, Oregon had zero points. Marion Jackson, who's a former play of the year in the MAC for Toledo, had 16 points on 6-7 shooting in the first half. I mean, a week after Oregon let, or no, not even a week, because that Cal game was on Saturday. Not even a week after the guy on Cal, whose name is uh, eluding me, went off for 33 points. We couldn't stop him. Here we are again with, with one guy just absolutely killing us. DJ Horn couldn't miss either. He came out red hot in the second half. And the problem with this Oregon basketball team is they have the potential to be good at the defensive end. We have seen that. I've talked about that on this show that's been a staple of Dana Altman coach teams, but when you have two guys, not just one, but two guys like DJ Horn and Marion Jackson were for Arizona State tonight, when you have two guys who are rolling, can't miss, just absolutely scorching the nets, doing anything and everything that they want, they ended up combining for, uh, wait for it, wait for it, 32 points, on 19 shots. I mean, wow. Oregon just does not have the offensive firepower to keep up. They don't have the individual shot creators and makers. Not that Young, Harbin, and Richardson can't do that, but they can't do it the way that you see streaky college basketball players do. And Oregon was actually only down six at the half. It was okay. You think, okay, make some adjustments, come back on the run. Nope, not even not even close. They didn't get back within single digits once ASU built a double-digit lead. They allowed three straight buckets on open jumpers to begin the second half. The offense was anemic. The, Oregon couldn't even inbound the ball or get into an offensive set. They started the first half. at Before four minutes had gone by in the second half, they had one basket and four turnovers. And then they went down 15, Frank allowed a bucket, or or Frank got a bucket inside, Frank Kepnong, and then, boom, back-to-back scores at the other end. At one point, they were 2 of 16 from beyond the arc, despite being 35% as a team. That's second in the Pac-12. I mean, there was just nothing good that happened consistently, or really even that often in this game. More on a, a bad night in Tempe, another... Trip down to the desert that did not go as planned, but first, this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels 
Like, it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. I used to be a guy who liked those oats and honey Nature Valley bars to put in my golf bag. For those of you golfers out there, I have swapped over to Built Bar. The protein is huge. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, puffs included, which are fantastic. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better and better for you. Typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories or more. Built Bars, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Mint brownie is my favorite flavor. There's a bunch of great flavors. Coconut, almond, white chocolate, cookies, and cream, everything. They're all delicious. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, we wrap up with what is just another... Bad trip down to the desert. It's always it's always the desert, isn't it? I remember uh, a few years ago in the 2019 season, the, the Rose Bowl season with Justin Herbert as a senior, Ducks were a one-loss team right on the edge of the college football playoff. And we go down to Arizona State, 14-point favorites. And I remember talking to uh, a family friend who played for Oregon back in the 80s, guy by the name of Mike Walter, incredible player. I'll get him on, on the pod. Once had 10 sacks in a game in an Oregon uniform. True story. And I asked him how he felt about it because I had been feeling pretty confident. He said, I don't know, Spencer. It's just the desert. It's just weird things happen in the desert. I don't know. Sure enough, he happened to be right. And this is another one. I, you know, the defense couldn't get stops in the second half. ASU started half number two, eight of 10 from the floor. It was a 36 to 30 game. Oregon was very much alive. And then it just completely got away from him and was never really close. And, you know, the immediate conclusions are there's talent on this team, but when I watch them play, they don't have a clear alpha or a sort of leader the way Peyton Pritchard was. Peyton Pritchard played as – he's a what they call a dog, right? That dude has got alpha. He's got – the, the leadership capability, he is succeeding in the NBA, and that is not really surprising to any of us as Oregon fans who watched him grow You know, from a, a guy who barely shot as a true freshman in the Final Four to a guy who was deprived of showcasing the world in March Madness what he's capable of because he was carrying the Ducks that year. And I like Will Richardson. He is a good player. I like watching him play. He's done a lot of good things for Oregon over the years, but he's not Peyton Pritchard which is what a team like this clearly needs. And I think Richardson's a better number two than a number one, both in terms of his skill set and just the way that he you know, is, is running the team out there. There are just too many stretches where the team lacks energy over prolonged periods of the game, and they just kind of feel leaderless on the court. I mean, in this ballgame, that you have to have when you're on the bubble. Oregon is now going to be out of the tournament, no doubt. Uh, 57 points they had allowed to Arizona State, who averages 64 a game, worse than the Pac-12 conference, an 8-15 and team who's 4-9 in league play. They had allowed 57 points just past the midway point in the second half. They end up allowing 81. And defense is mostly about effort, and they just didn't, they didn't have it at the level they needed tonight. They ran into some hot shooters, and the offense was just brutal. A- absolutely 
brutal. Richardson, 12 points on 5 of 12. Team is 5 of 26 from beyond the arc, 35% from the floor. That's what we shoot on the year from three-point range, 35%. We shot 34.5%, 19 of 55 from the floor in this one. ASU, meanwhile, 9 of 20 from distance, 57% from the floor. Um, Eric Williams had 11 points on 3 of 8 shooting. Those are the only ducks in double figures. Harmon was 0 for 6. Gary A, 3 of 10, Young, 1 of 7. It just, the offense wasn't there. So it, it looks like going forward, it'll have to be Pac-12 tournament or bust. But there, there's an opportunity. And by the way, if we can somehow win at Arizona on Saturday, then it's it's not impossible. And at-large is, is not impossible. But Oregon almost essentially has to win out. But you got you got chances to prove to yourselves and to the computers in the country that you're capable of being a tournament caliber team, but man, it is it is not not looking good. Hate to send you off into the weekend on a little bit of a down note, but that's what being a fan is. You got the highs and the lows. As always, we are riding them together. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.